What's up, y'all? This is wide receiver Deontay Simpson. It's linebacker Jojo Ozugu. Cornerback Deshaun Getty Jr. Senior forward Zachary Simmons, and you're listening to Bruins Breakdown, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and with me, once again, is Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you doing? You said that with some vigor, Bruni. Yeah, I are mean... you excited about today? I'm I'm very excited about today, Colin. I, I am very excited today. I've been up all day just waiting... Preparing for, for this? this podcast. Yes, yes. It's like you wake up. It's like... It's like Basically, like when you were playing basketball in high school, you wake up, you got to prepare your body, get a good breakfast in. Yes. To go out there. Work, and work your brain a bit, you know. To, to go out there and play like five minutes a game. Except here, you play at least 45. Oh, I'm, I'm, putting, up, I'm putting up 20 points a game on this podcast. 20 points a game. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. The thing is, and I tweeted out, <laughs> I don't know if you brought this up because I tweeted out that I wrote deadly from three in my sneakers as a freshman, but... Yeah, I that was see that. That was a uh, that was not the high point in my basketball life. Right, Wait, there. but you were deadly for th- from three eight times. Yes, I hit eight threes that season. I I can't say that that's exactly the number, but it felt like eight threes. It was um uh, not good, but yes. Now we come on this podcast, and now I'm dropping like twenty plus every every game. So every day, really. So with the content we got up on Mean Green twenty four seven, shameless plug. Go check out our stuff at MainGreen twenty four seven dot com. Again, subscribe for 50% off. Uh, August is almost over, and our deal will be over as well. So check out our our deal, 50% off an annual subscription. We got VIP week going on right now, Colin. Um, again, every day we got stuff for VIP subscribers going up. On Friday, we have our roundtable with our predictions and all this good stuff going up. But today, Colin, we're going to do our defense preview, our defense preview podcast. On Sunday, we did the, the offense podcast. It was Sunday, right? I think it was. Yeah, Sunday. And so today, we're doing the same thing except the defense. Same structure. We're going to review last year, go through our depth chart rundown, go through our sleeper picks, expectations, all that stuff. And this is, I'm really proud of this and the offense preview, even though we haven't even done this one yet. But I'm really proud of this these <laughs> podcasts in order to successfully inform our audience and that's putting a lot of pressure on us Colin are you ready for that pressure I'm not ready for that I mean you know you put up 20 a game I put I put up five a game you're there for the rebounds exactly you get the rebounds exactly. that's what you are you are you are the Dennis Rodman here so Colin without further ado let's get into it first let's review the 2019 season because um it was a, it's okay, well, let's start even before the 2019 season. We expected defense to be a little worse than 2018, but we thought they were going to be at least serviceable because 2018 was so good. Yeah. Right. EJG, Brandon Garner, Kimon Hall, Nate Brooks, you know, the, the safeties, Muhammad and Robinson, um, Ladarius, you go down the list. That defense was, was very solid. Very solid. It won them a lot of games in 2018. So 2019, we were like, okay, they'll be a little worse, but we can we think that they're going to still be serviceable enough to where the offense can put up, you know, 30 points and they can, they'll win the game. Yeah. That didn't happen. Boy, were we wrong. Oh, we were wrong. <laughs> the, the Charlotte game is the game I'll never forget from last season when North Texas gave up touchdowns on five straight possessions to close the game, including the game-winning uh, jump ball to Victor Tucker from Charlotte. And Charlotte ends up winning the game 39-38, I believe. And that's the game that kind of embodied last season for me. The secondary didn't know what they were doing. The pass, the Troy Refrick kind of just gave up the pass in the pass rushing sense, just started dropping eight into coverage every time and tried playing zone. They couldn't play zone. Um, it was a combination of poor alignment and poor coaching and underwhelming talent. I think that's that's the perfect way to summarize last season. Now, when you look at the actual stats from last season, you're like, okay, well, you know, they they allowed 61.5% completion percentage against them and then 412 yards of offense against them. To be fair, the the offense was putting up, you know, a similar number of 419 yards per game, but the defense was allowing 412 yards per game. Um they only had four interceptions all season. That's the major major 
major and number. A couple which, of them weren't even really. They weren't plays that they made. <laughs> yeah. I remember the UTSA one, Nick Harvey, I believe, had the pick against Narcisse mm-hmm. on like Narcisse's first snap. And I'm like, okay, does that even count as an interception? No. So you have all these stats showing like they were just awful. And then you get into the tackles. You're like, okay, Katie Davis had 88 tackles. Tyreek Davis had 79 tackles. But when you look at those two, again, they put up gaudy numbers, which 88 to 79 aren't even like that crazy mm-hmm. for linebackers. But they're still, you know, good enough numbers where people can be like, okay, well, they had good seasons. And you're just like, the linebackers weren't even dominant at any stretch. They were never really, you know, they never made the plays when you needed them to make like EJ and Brandon did. They couldn't really stop the run, which also was a combination of the defensive line and the scheme. And then you go to the safeties and the safeties, Kyrie Muhammad and Taylor Robinson were just bad. <laughs> they were just bad. Like I, just straight I, up bad. Again, I love both of those guys. They were they were both really good guys, um, and I wish them the best in their future endeavors. But last year, they were not good in the pass, in the run, in tackling. They, it was it was not good. And they they would get out of position a lot of times. I don't know if they were trying to overcompensate or what, but they were they were not good. Secondary, you had Nick Nick uh, Nick Harvey, Cam Johnson, who again I don't think they were bad, but they were maybe asked to do too much and they're they were not capable of doing too much so is that fair i don't know uh nick harvey was pretty bad last year but again so we we had like the first four or five games like there was like the smu game remember when he kept getting pressed up against reggie robertson and yeah. reggie robertson just kept running by him like yes that's not good but I'm curious as to if he was instructed to play press or if he was just like, or if they were kind of gave him a freedom and he was like, all right, I think I can get him here. And it was not good. Yes, obviously he wasn't talented enough to do that. But I just have questions as to how much was ref fit, how much, oh, okay. and how much was yeah, yeah, yeah. the team. And I don't want to say that as to put all of the onus on ref fit last year because I think there was enough blame to go around. But, you know, ref fit, was limited in a lot of what he could do and what he could teach. So we saw that when they went to the zone and they still got picked apart. So now it's like, all right, we can't do this, can't do this. And we know the talent's not like the worst in Conference USA. Why do they look awful? That was what we talked about a lot last year. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, it comes back to the players are holding themselves accountable and not blaming Refit. But at the end of the day, as a coach, if you're not instructing, if you're not teaching, if you're not putting your players in the best position, and if they don't know what the best position is, then it comes back to you as a coach. Right, of course. So that's where our whole conversation was last year about this defense and that they just were never were never consistent. They were never, you know, they couldn't force turnovers. They couldn't they didn't couldn't make those special plays to put the offense in position. They couldn't get stops when they needed to. And for all those reasons, Colin, it hurt to watch what they lose. Harvey, Robinson, Muhammad, Hamilton, Safi, anyone else? Oh, um, Jamie King. I think those those are pretty much all of them. Yeah. I might be forgetting someone, but yes, that's pretty much all of them. So it hurt to watch them go, but it's a refreshing start for this. Yeah, defense. Exactly. turning a new page. Ladarius Hamilton's obviously a monster. Nobody's going to contest that. But everyone else there, you're like, okay, let's see what these other guys can do. Now, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we missed from last year before we do that. Um, obviously, like guys like Kevin Wood had to step in, mm-hmm. and which was surprising as a true freshman. No matter how good he is, um, still as a true freshman, have to step in. We saw that Deion Noville moved to, moved to the nose last year. He had a very successful year with uh, 61 tackles, three and a half sacks. Um, I'm just running down the names real quick. Jameel Moore is another senior who you're kind of like, all right, let's see what the younger guys can do. Um, I think that's yeah that's everybody all right now Colin we look into this season and I guess I asked you before the podcast but I guess I'll ask you now before we get into the depth chart rundown what's the one thing a the one concern you have for this defense or just one thing that you're just like not certain about at this point my one concern for this next year for next year's defense or this season's defense yeah for this year's defense um is that I'm not sure. I don't want to put too much stock in that turning a new page and you know having a new coach is going to make this defense so much better than it was last year. 
that is that is my concern i guess that's your concern is that i guess before we get into anything else is that do you think the defense will be better than last year i'd like to think so but i also don't know like what have they really changed you know what i mean like that that is my issue like yeah they got a new new uh defensive coordinator but that don't, that can only go so far as the talent that you have on the field and does the talent that they have this year really like is is it really a, a, a big enough a difference? Like obviously you have Dion Noville, obviously you have uh Vontae McCray. Vontae McCray. But those are you're you're that's the same thing. You had Dion Noville last year. Vontae McCray is replacing Ladarius Hamilton. Cam Johnson is still a corner. He's although he's gonna be moving to nickel. You still yeah. have Tyreek Davis and Katie Davis on the inside. And then Deshaun Gaddy and I don't Quinn, know. Quinn Whitlock. Quinn Whitlock. Is all of that together really going to have that much? Like, are they going to make that much of a step? And I guess this this comes back to your question of how much of it was coaching last year and how much of it was personnel. Because if it was, say, it's 50-50, I don't really see a whole lot of change coming this year. One thing I'm trying to wrap my mind around right now is that when we talked about the offense last year, we talked about how the personnel fell short Mm -hmm. in, in, in a lot of ways. And the, we talked about the coaching as well, but we kind of talked to, we're kind of worried more so, I guess, on the defensive side of the ball. We're worried about just how much of a change the coaching staff, a coaching change will bring. The offense doesn't have a coaching change. It has Latrell, you know, taking more right. bonus on the offensive end. So that's where we'll know more about the personnel this year. Mm-hmm. On defense, you have a coaching change. So if this defense looks way better, it's going to be kind of tough for us to discern how much is, you know, the Davis boys taking a step forward or Clint Bowen just putting them in a better position. Right. Either way, there are opportunities for this defense to get better. And so that's why I'm saying the offense is kind of limited in how it can get better because they've lost the personnel and they're going to be similar in terms of play calling. Right. It's still the same dude. The defense the the is going to have different different play calling, different alignment, and different personnel. Yep. So that's where it gives you more you know, leeway, I guess, if you want to call it, to improve. Like, they can improve in different areas. Joe Zogu will no longer be the jack linebacker. He's going to be the, a linebacker, but he may be in different positions than he was last year. Mm-hmm. So maybe he'll be better there. Like it's and it's not him taking a step forward. It's just him being a different position. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm really, really curious. And you kind of mentioned it. Cam Johnson moving to nickel. Uh, I'm gonna get. We're gonna get on that. We're gonna go into that on the depth chart. But same thing with him. Will he take a step forward just by changing positions? Mm-hmm. Will he be? Will he have three interceptions this year just because he's more you know active in the defense in a different position? That's what I'm curious about. Now, with all that being said, let's get into our depth chart rundown. And let's start with the defensive line. We kind of mentioned them already, but Devontae McCray, Dion Noville, Caleb Colvin are presumed to be the starters. This front three, it's a 3-3-5 defense still. Um, there were times where in the scrimmage where it looked like a 3-3-5 stacked, where it was just three on top of three. And then other times, the linebackers clearly moved around. Um, so that that's something to look, look for. Um, as far as the backups go, we have Asher Frau. Asher Frau it's not Asher Fro. Really? Did you learn? Yeah. Did you know that? Look at that. We learned something Asher new every Frau, day. Frau. Uh, on the edge. Uh, Kenneth Dotson, retro freshman from the 2019 class, also a backup defensive end. Uh, Dayton LeBlanc, de- a backup defensive tackle. And then you have like Jimmy Walker, who I put as a backup defensive end as well. So when you look at that group, A, how confident are you in that group? And B, what could their impact be? Well, I think it's going to be similar to last season's impact. I mean, Dion Noville is going to be a monster. Yes. Obviously. Monty McCray, although Ladarius Hamilton is amazing, I don't. he should be able to do enough to kind of replicate what, what he could do. And then yeah. everyone else, I think it's just honestly like a cherry on top at this point. Mm-hmm. Just because you replaced the two guys that really mattered. I think the defensive line more so just needs to do what it did last year because it was asked to do too much last year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that they just need to replicate what they did last year so, and then hopefully everyone else around them steps up. Now, I talked to Coach Mathis, the new defensive, court, defensive line coach, 
And I think I put this in my story. It was free. Yeah, my free story on the defensive line or on the what was the story on? Damn, dude, the stories just run together at this point. I'm not going to lie. But I did put it in a story. And he basically said that they played a lot of snaps last year. The defensive line did. So mm-hmm. they were getting up like north of 70 snaps. And so that it's an emphasis this year is to trim that down. So that way they're fresh in the fourth quarter. Because last year he said he watched every game. And he's like, you could just tell in the fourth quarter they were dead. Right. Like, Ladarius, like there was no pass rush in the fourth quarter. Right. And so that's why they had to like get right, up. When you on have him. like uppers, upper 200s, low 300 pound. Oh, dudes. yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got 300 pounders playing 70 plus snaps. That's tough. That's tough. So that's where it's going to pacing is going to be a big emphasis for this team this year, especially on the defensive line. Um, You kind of mentioned it with Devontae McCray, and it goes back to my point of being put in position. If Devontae McCray plays a little less snaps than Ladarius, if he ha- is in a better position and like the defense as a whole is in a better position, I think he can put up similar numbers to Ladarius Hamilton mm-hmm. last year. Well, Ladarius was at eight and a half last year, I believe. Let I me so, yeah. let me double check that. Seven and a half sacks last year. I wouldn't be surprised if if Devontae McCray puts up seven. Like that that wouldn't surprise me at all. And so, and again, that's not saying he's already as good as senior Ladarius Hamilton. I'm just saying that he might be in position right to do more. And if he plays less snaps in the fourth quarter, maybe he can make that play that this team needs to win a game. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the difference here. And I think that having a little bit of depth with Asher Frau and um, Kenneth Dotson and Jimmy Walker, Jimmy Walker's also a 2019 class, so that's another. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start looking at how many 2019 players, 2019 recruiting classes players are going to be, like, in the rotation this yeah. year. That's going to be really interesting to see. And we'll get into more of those later. We've already talked about Kevin Wood. Um, but Kenneth Dotson, Jimmy Walker are two guys from the 2019 class that are going to step in and be rotation pieces. And now that we know that Mathis is looking at the defensive line and doesn't want to overwork them, mm-hmm. then we can start looking at guys like Kenneth Dotson and Jimmy Walker and be like, okay, now we can see how good they are. Let me see where else. You already you talked about Deion Noville. I mean, he's going to be a monster. Mathis said that he was kind of last year he was kind of all upper body so he's trying to get him more leverage and so mm-hmm. he can make plays but at the end of the day he's going to be you know one of the best defense tackles in the country or in I mean yeah in the country really and then probably one of the best defensive linemen in the conference USA so um and they're going to need him yeah he's going to be the best player on this defense he's going to have to do, I mean he had 61 tackles last year 13 tackles for loss and that was playing 70 snaps a game, 70-plus snaps a game. If, even if he plays 55 snaps a game, I think his numbers will be similar, like or at least the same. Yeah. Um, he's not a guy I'm worried about at all. So, um, But this comes back to how, how else are they getting pressure on quarterbacks, um, which is what I, we will get into later. Linebackers. Um, linebackers, Joe Zugu. Uh, Katie Davis, Tyreek Davis, the same three as last year, Con. Before we get into the depth chart, like the people behind them, um, Katie Davis is said to be back practicing. Um, he got hurt on last Friday. Yeah, on Friday. Uh, didn't play in the scrimmage, but they said he's back out there running around. So I assume he's good for game one, Houston Baptist. Yeah. Um, how much more do we need to see from those three specifically? You need to have the 80 and 70, high 70s tackles around a good defense. <laughs> it yeah. can't just be having, like, I think you said this earlier or a few podcasts ago. Someone had to tackle somebody. Yeah. And I think that this time they, their tackles need to have more of an impact as opposed to, oh, they shouldn't have gotten past this dude. Katie, go get him type of thing. Yeah. So I think that if we can see similar numbers to last year, I think it'll be a success. I don't expect them to be anything like EJG and Brandon Garner this year, but mm-hmm. I think Katie Davis does take a step. Tyreek Davis, I think will kind of hover around more of the same, but he'll start because of his speed. Yeah. And they, again, to go back to their numbers, I mean, Tyreek Davis, 14 tackles for loss last year. Katie Davis, seven tackles for loss. When they were in the right gaps and they were in the right places, mm-hmm. they made the plays. Right. I think more than anything is the defense last year was just in the wrong position a lot. And you saw that with those two. And you really saw it when you got to the backups. When you saw Kevin Wood come in, Larry Nixon come in, um, those guys are young and 
So when they're put in the wrong position, then it really shows. Yep. Like they can't compensate for that the way that um, Katie Davis and Tyreek Davis did because those two are um, exceptional with their speed. Um, Joe Zugu, how many sacks did he end up with last year? He only ended up with three sacks out of Jack position. And if Joe ends up with three sacks, I hate to say this, but I feel like that's his value. I feel like his value is occupying a tackle or getting by, mm-hmm. you know, a tight end or something mm-hmm. along those lines. I feel like that's his tackle just because the way he's built. Like he is, he's bigger than the other two linebackers. He yeah. is a force on the edge that can do a lot more stuff. And I don't think he's comfortable dropping into pass coverage the way that the other linebackers are. So he needs to get those tackles for loss. He needs to get those um, sacks. He needs to get those tackles in general in order for his value to be, you know, consistent. I feel like, um, now let's get into depth into the uh, backups. We have Larry Nixon, Gabriel Murphy, Ty, um, Kevin Wood, uh, Chris Thornton, uh, Grayson Murphy as well. I think Nixon, Gabriel Murphy, and Kevin Wood are three guys who I'm actually pretty high on right now. I saw them in the scrimmage and they all kind of impressed me. Gabriel Murphy had one of the interceptions. I think he had the one on Ani. Yeah, he had one on Ani. Um, Larry Nixon is, I've heard from a lot of people, they expect him to take a step forward. Kevin Wood, like we we saw, had experience last year. Mm-hmm. I feel good about the depth of this linebacking group. The top end talent, like we've talked about, is kind of questionable. But the depth, mm-hmm. I'm way more confident in this year than I was last year. No, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, especially, it's it's the same dudes, they're just more developed. Exactly. And, think, and that's that's the important part. Exactly. Um, Gabriel Murphy's another 2019 guy. Keep an both, eye on Grayson uh, Murphy as well. Yeah, I was yes. going to say both of them are. Yes, the, the Murphy twins. Um, just, just let me make sure I didn't miss anything with them. I think you I think you hit the nail on the head by saying just they need to be impactful tackles yeah. in a lot of ways and be in the right positions more. That That's the same thing that we talked about with Darius last year was that, yes, he had the numbers, but or not that, sorry, he didn't have the numbers the year before last, but he was an impact every time. Yeah. I think that's, that's the same thing. It's, it's less on paper numbers and you need to you need to be felt on the field exactly because if you think about it just conceptually if you the offense has a three and out compared to if they run nine plays like that's six more plays for you to make a tackle exactly exactly a lot of times more tackles isn't always you know better right it's just a result of where the the situation yeah i'm pretty sure there was a game last year where nick harvey had like 11 tackles yes exactly like that he was (laughs) he ended up fourth on the team in total tackles nick harvey yeah outside corner that's an issue that's an issue (laughs) um so yeah the tackles are it's it's a really weird stat in that you have to actually watch them to see the impact of them but let's get to the secondary colin because this is where i feel like we we really need to kind of uh analyze things here yes so on the outside we have deshaun gaddy and quinn whitlock those are the outside corners there is a certain amount of confidence in deshaun gaddy and quinn whitlock shout out deshaun gaddy shout out deshaun gaddy there's a certain amount of confidence in those 2019 guy yes another 2019 guy quinn whitlock was 2019 guy as well but he was a junior college obviously um but again it all comes back that 2019 class is gonna really show out deshaun gaddy quinn whitlock on the outside both have their long hair. You know, both of them are going to be playmakers. Both of them are athletic in ways that I don't know if Nick Harvey was athletic last year. He was kind of just a guy who relied on his technique a lot more. Mm-hmm. We already saw Deshaun. I mean, I already saw Deshaun Gaddy in the scrimmage just completely jump around and go the other way. Like, he was, it was amazing. But the big talk here is Cam Johnson moving inside to a nickel position or a nickel-esque position. Mm-hmm. Kind of just a kind of a roamer a little bit more than the other two. So maybe he'll take more slot receivers, tight ends, you know, maybe a zone in, in the middle third. Who knows? That is something that I'm really excited to see. It's a, I, I, I want to see how Clint Bowen is drawing that up. Is, is he going to be in, you know, is he just going to be manning up guys in the slot or tight ends or is he going to have more 
zone responsibilities is going to be helping out guys more so maybe take inside leverage on guys where that lets them stay on the outside or something like that um is he going to just be this aggressive rover that's just looking for picks where he can he sees someone kind of get a break and the quarterback's eyes he follows the eyes and then jumps a route i have no clue Mm -hmm. but i am very 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 excited to see what cam johnson does i think it's interesting that they moved him i guess like you said, to a nickel-esque position because what does that say about who was there before? They didn't... I mean, last year, you look at it, it was... I mean, Jamil Moore wasn't really even playing, but it was like Mikhail Sanders, right, J- and, Jackson Gibbs. Like It was guys who I feel like they forced to play that right, position. They, they, aren't cor- they aren't nickel corners to begin with, but it's interesting that you wouldn't keep a guy that has had, I guess, experience in that position. Yeah. So, I mean, I, we knew they wanted to move Mikhail back to safety, which we'll get to the safety position later, but... I think that they just okay. So so here's my thing. Jackson Gibbs is the backup nickel corner. Okay. I don't think that's demeaning. I don't think that's you know downplaying the talent Jackson Gibbs has. I think that it more so says how much they believe in Quinn Whitlock and Deshaun Gotti on the outside. outside. So they saw they had three legitimate corners: Gaddy, Whitlock, Johnson, and they're saying why you know put out Gibbs specifically there if we think more highly of Whitlock and so how can we get all three of those guys on the field I got time? you yeah Whitlock Gaddy on the outside because obviously those guys are not experienced in terms of snaps at a division one level you kind of have to have them on the outside so that way they're not asked to do too too much you know they still they have their assignment they know what they're doing on a down to down down by down basis whereas Cam Johnson can be more fluid as a senior who has gotten snaps the past two years and is a guy who, you know, has already been with Coach Jennings in the secondary for a season now. There is an expectation there is an expectation that Cam Johnson comes into this year not only as a leader on the defense, but as a player who, in my opinion, is going to be the second best player on this defense. Really? Yes. That's a take. It's it, it, it might it be a take. But, Write it down. But you know, I'm looking at it. Who who do you have over him? Davis? It has to be Katie Davis, no? Yeah. Devontae McCray? No, no. I mean, behind Dion Neville, I think Cam Johnson is going to be the second best player on this defense. That's and I think that it's not only because of his talent, not only because of his, you know, athleticism. He's an athletic guy, he's long, um, and his experience, but I just think he's gonna be put in a better position this year. I think he's gonna be at the very least, he's going to be put in a position to where he can make plays. Right. And then whether we can he, truly see whether exactly. or not he's the player that we thought he was. Exactly. And maybe that's a little unfair as far as like, you know, run tackling goes or block shedding goes. And because he's going to have to do more of those, that as well. Um, however, we did see Nick Harvey, like we said, make 50 tackles, 64 tackles last that's year. That's insane. <laughs> which I still can't get over. But um, basically a linebacker. Yeah. Um, but. You know, he's going to be a versatile guy. And if he plays to the level which I think he can play, I have no doubts that he's going to be second. I feel like, the, I feel like this is this is obviously a common theme throughout everything because you, you brought it up, is how much of this is putting guys in a better position. How much do you think, like put a number on it, do you think that Refit was hurting this defense last year? Because I know you've we've said in the past, like last year, we we said that it could be fifty fifty, which yeah. is higher than than most. But every I feel like every single position group, the constant theme is these guys are going to be put in position, and I think that once they're put in a better position, they can be they can be really good. So what is the number that you would put on Clint Bowen putting guys in a better position is, compared to Ruffit? The thing is, this defense could still be bad. They could be, and I mean, and that's and that's why I want you to kind of if, flesh that out more. Just because Clint Bowen is trying something doesn't mean that it's going to work. For sure, right? We know that, and I don't think anybody's ex- coming into the year ex- saying, "All right, Clint Bowen's going to change this, this, and this, and that's going to fix the defense." And boom, they're going to be back to their 2018 selves. Right? No, I don't think people are saying that. I think people are saying that we know what doesn't work. And that's what well, Refit was doing. Well, not even that. I so, think last year, whenever we were watching, you could tell that the defense didn't really know what was happening. Exactly. Like when they were on the field, like you you can tell when a, when guys are coached correctly and they just don't have the talent to be on the field. Yes. And um, and I and, I, and I'm curious on how much you. Yeah. The difference between these two coaches. Yeah. No. I. I definitely. It's a good question because then you have to compare it to. 
defenses that are maybe put in the right place but don't have the talent. Right. Which I think you've I think we we saw from a few teams. I think one of the first I don't know why the first team that popped to mind I can't even say that. Let me go to the schedule real quick last year because I feel like here's an example. Houston. Houston. We didn't look at Houston's defense last year and say, "Wow, you know, that's a loaded talented defense right we thought that north texas was, was yeah. going to be able to pick that thing apart exactly <laughs> we were like all right this is going to be a shootout you know that they're going to have a chance to like really go back and like forth win the game team. Yeah. yeah and they end up putting they end up putting up 25 points on houston and i don't remember if any of those were um garbage time such garbage time touchdowns but um i mean again zero points in the first quarter six in the second quarter so that tells you pretty much all you need to know um, and that that third quarter is when Mason Fine had that ridiculous run of throws and just like right, remember I remember that, that pump that fake, yeah, like, yeah. Like, oh man, what a what a quarter. Mason the anger, Fine. the anger went Woo! through Mason's blood. Shout out Mason Fine. But anyways, that's like an example of a defense where you're like, okay, it's not like the most talented defense ever. It's probably it's definitely not even as talented as SMU or Cal's, which uh, North Texas also played, but they're in the right positions. They know what they're doing, mm-hmm. and Rice is another example. While Rice has talent, they're they just they those especially the last half of the season for Rice, they kind of just all knew what they needed to do. Right. North Texas never got to that point where they knew what they needed to do. Right. And I'm not saying that North Texas had a worse season than Rice last year because Rice ended up three and nine, North Texas four and eight. But at the very least, Rice came around to those last three games where they said, "All right, we know what we're doing." on the defense side of the ball. And I don't have their scores in front of me exactly, but they held North Texas to 14 points and North Texas had zero answers, yep. zero answers. Yep. And that's against rice who, if you go through their recruiting classes and who they have on the field, they, it's not, it's not right. comparable. Meanwhile, North Texas last year had an A&M transfer. Yeah. It's and not I mean, comparable. Yeah, exactly. I exactly. mean, come on. I mean, North Texas had Ladarius Hamilton, Dion Oville, Nick Harvey, uh, experienced safeties, you know, quality linebackers. Rice obviously had talent. I'm not taking that away from them, but holding that North Texas offense 14 points, if that North Texas offense played the North Texas defense last year, I bet the North Texas offense is still putting up 30-plus points. No, for sure. Like, I mean... <laughs> and I, and, and that, that's why I think it's important to distinguish what we're talking about here in terms of, yes, the defense could still be bad, but at least we know why it's bad at this point. Yes, yes, that's the hope. I I'm hopeful... That there's not a sense of confusion. Yeah. That's what I'm... Because that was the main thing. I feel like all last season, it was just like, what could they do That's what in, I in any aspect? Yeah, that's what I kept asking the players. I, I kept asking Kyrie, Taylor, everybody. I was like, so where's the dis- disconnect? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is the disconnect... I mean, y'all are trying to play zone now? Like, do y'all not feel comfortable in man? Like, do y'all feel more comfortable in zone? And it was at the end of the day, all of them just said... You know, we're being put in position, but we just got to make the plays and stuff. I'm like, no, y'all aren't. Because a receiver running 30 yards wide open, you're not in position to make that play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So why is he open? Right. A, a pass interference call, yes, sure, you're in position there. And in a lot of situations, you're not because you're recovering and you're trying to, you know, make a late swipe at the ball or something. You get pass interference. But there I can kind of understand. Southern Miss, you watch that game back. Quez Watkins running... 40 yards down the field wide open. Yep, SMU. SMU. Uh, Houston. Houston. Yeah, any, any, any play, team. You're not in position to make the plays. Right. So, I. it's just, I. and that goes back to what I was saying, what I said, um, I think, last podcast, in that you have to have a certain amount of skepticism when you talk to players and coaches, and that, not that you don't believe them, but. Right, you got you to gotta be able to read the, the writing between the lines. Exactly. Exactly. And and when you have dudes telling you that we're put in position and we have to just make the plays, it's kind of just like they and, have no say. And again, this goes back to Kyrie Muhammad, Taylor Robinson, even Nick Harvey. All those guys really liked Refit. Mm-hmm. Those are Refit's guys. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, Refit's gone, safety's gone. You know, I'm not thankfully in that they were bad players, but thankfully in that you can reset. Right, you don't have you don't have you don't have dudes in the locker room that are like, oh, I miss Refit. Yeah, I I miss Refit. Like all this stuff. Like this is a new defense, right? Clean slate, exactly, 
exactly. So that's where I'm really, really interested. I didn't even get, we haven't even got to the, the second stringers on this secondary. Uh, Jackson Gibbs, nickel, which I mentioned. Jordan Rucker, Purdue transfer, had his waiver um, granted. He's going to be, he's only practiced about two weeks now at this point. Mm-hmm. He has the talent to compete with Whitlock and Gaddy on the outside. Sure. I mean, he came yes. from Purdue. Yeah. No, like he he's, he can be in that conversation as soon as probably like, I would assume like the week three. Week just, just, it's, it's basically just going to be, depends on how Deshaun Gaddy and, and Whitlock play. Now there's some pressure on them. because but what's, before, but what's interesting is that there was no talent to replace a Nick Carvey or Cam Johnson on the outside last year. Exactly. You had, like, a, br- we, you they, had a brand new Deshaun Gaddy who's, I mean. Yeah, Whitlock freshman. was hurt last year. I think he only ended up playing three yeah. games. Whitlock was hurt. And there was another dude. Hell if I'm Dorian Morris. Uh yeah, well yeah, Dorian Morris is is on the he was a freshman last year. Freshman last year, yeah. So you had dudes that were like you didn't have experience, so what are you gonna do? You're gonna throw Deshaun Gaddy out there to the Wolves? Exactly. After you know, Nick Harvey gives up a touchdown. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's, there were no it, options. Exactly. So now we assume Jordan Rucker um, not assume. I mean, we we've heard it and talked and seen it now at this point. Jordan Rucker is already you know on that level. He just has to come around as far as the playbook goes, getting comfortable goes, and everything. Uh, then at the other cornerback uh, backup position, you have uh, Upton Stout, true freshman. High, high, high expectations for him and Dorian Morris, like you mentioned. Those two guys, uh, Morris, another 2019 guy. Um, I'm interested to see if something goes wrong on the outsides. If someone either doesn't play well or has to miss a game or something, would they move Johnson back outside and move Gibbs into nickel? That's a good point. I didn't even think about That's that. That's an interesting question. I feel like I would – my first reaction is no. You just slide in Rucker? You just Especially because you have Cam Johnson. Like, you, you went into the season expecting Cam Johnson to do that. You know what I mean? Like, why yes. would you mess another part of the defense up when you should have guys that should be able to step in? And and replace the guys on the outside. Exactly. Now, let's get to the safety position here because again, these are this is where a majority. This is where a lot of the tackles from the last two years are gone. Mm-hmm. Like Kyrie Muhammad and Taylor Robinson. Um, for as much as their shortcomings were, at least they were kind of a experience. Yeah, they were kind of experienced there. They kind of knew what they needed to do, and if they did it or not, then. You know, then we knew if it was on them. So now you have Keelan Crosby and Mikhail Sanders as your two safeties. I have one thing I do want to say before we get into this is that Alex Morris and Javier Neal are the two backups. Alex Morris was supposed to be a starting safety. I'm kind of disappointed in the fact that he's kind of fell to the wayside. That sounded like some genuine disappointed disappointment. I, the dude was an almost like an like an eighty three rated, um, and like and he was the highest rated player in that like I think it was the twenty eighteen class. Mm-hmm. Those are the players that kind of hurt whenever they don't pan out. Mm-hmm. And I hope that he's you know working hard and he's getting on the same page as everyone. But remember when we had Katie Davis on our podcast, he even said like you know he's got to he's got to get there, get to the point where he's completely one hundred percent bought in. I don't know him. I have never, I don't even think I've ever talked to him. So I can't speculate. That's just right. what, you know, what we've heard is that to have that type of level, to that level, to have that level of player not panned out kind of hurts your defense in a lot of ways. Because imagine if he did pan out. Right. Then we're talking about something different here. But let's talk about who they do have in the starting position. It's Keelan Crosby and Mikhail Sanders, both of whom had experience last year. Mikhail Sanders, um, especially, ended up 10th on the team in tackles with 38. Clean three tackles for loss, one interception. Um, I think the interception was against UTSA. I think no UTSA interception counts. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> what an outlier of a game. So, um, so yeah, Mikhail Sanders and Keelan Crosby. Um, I think both of them mostly had snaps. I mean, they had snaps at safety last year, but I think a lot of them had. Um, a lot of those snaps were at nickel, mm-hmm. which is where we kind of assumed they would be playing this year. But, like I said before, there's kind of an opening at the safety position that they needed to fill. So I have no problem with Keelan Crosby and Kyle Sanders moving back there. We do need to see how well they... I mean, we really need to see everything from them, really, because we don't know how they play at safety for a sustained amount of stretches. That's the biggest question. Um, Keelan Crosby, we know, can cover 
Uh, Mikhail Sanders, I know tackle. We need to see the other things from them. So leadership, you know, putting guys in the right position, being in the right position, not getting pass interference calls, um, being able to make make plays either in the backfield when they have to or uh, make those pass breakups when they need to. It's going to be a lot. Of, a lot's falling on their shoulders mm-hmm. because as great as it is to have Cam Johnson in the middle now and, you know, guys on the outside that are athletic and, you know, hopefully a defense that puts them in the right position. These two are going to have to make a lot of plays. I feel like. I agree with you, but I also disagree with you. I feel like we're basing this off of what the safeties have had to do in the past in terms of making up for, just like Nick Harvey did last year. He had to, he had was third in the team in tackles for a reason because he had to make up for other guys not being able to make those tackles. I feel like if Clint Bowen's able to put dudes in positions, then you can have the safeties kind of get a, get acclimated to the way they're supposed to play. It's mm-hmm. not going to be like. So many times last year, I remember Kyrie Muhammad having to chase down a dude that should have been covered by, you know, who whomever on the outside. Yeah. Right. And I feel like if guys are put in positions, then they should be okay. Now. That's why I'm not as concerned. Both Robinson and Muhammad last year ended up with over 60 tackles. Do you think the safeties this year end up with six, over 60 tackles? No, because I don't think. Assuming that Clint Bowen's able to put dudes in position, I don't think that there's going to be as many dudes getting into the back back side of the defense it's hopeful thinking colin it is hopeful i like thinking. it i like it okay not a hopeful dude most of the time you know but and again mikhail sanders is a senior keelan crosby is a registered sophomore i believe mm-hmm. so experience in yeah, a way a little bit a little bit more a little bit of experience there all right now we're going through the depth chart all right one thing i do want to talk about before we get into our sleeper picks is creating pressure i want this defense i'm, I'm interested to see how this defense creates pressure not only from a front three perspective or a front six perspective, but from others as well. Because I talked to Coach Mathis and I actually put this in our um, VIP story this week. Check that out if you are a subscriber. The full quote is in there. Um, It's in the uh, five key questions story. Um, But will, how will this defense create pressure? And we saw last year that they kind of just, brought linebackers in a random sense they were just like <laughs> all right now we're gonna bring joe now we're gonna bring katie now we're gonna bring tyreek which just kind of throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks exactly and that's what it felt like at least obviously that's not exactly what happened there's a lot of calculation in what they were doing i assume but uh <laughs> but that's how it felt and so this year i'm hoping that it feels less like random random blitzes and more of unexpected blitzes so you line up one way maybe you bring the weak side corner maybe you line up that same way the next time and you bring joe zogu maybe next time you bring two linebackers you know it's just it felt like the offense was always a step ahead of the defense it felt like the offense whatever offense they played just kind of knew what they were, what the defense wanted, and, and to that do. that doesn't it doesn't help that they did drop eight dudes, and then whenever they wanted to blitz, you know, yes. you kind of knew like, oh, there's not eight dudes in the yes. in coverage exactly. So they became predictable. They became a team that rarely blitzed by the end of the season. Um, but again, like we said before, Ladarius Hamilton and Dion Noville put up really good numbers. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, okay, well, these are kind of just stats at this point because quarterbacks never felt rattled quarterbacks against North Texas never, you know, we saw Chris Reynolds from Charlotte just tear them apart. Clayton Toon. We saw Clayton Toon tear them apart. We saw even Astro O'Hara from middle, even though North Texas won that game, still looked pretty freaking comfortable. Right. And, and no game that they won last year where we're sitting here like, oh, the defense is going to lock this dude down. Yeah, I mean, UTSA was just an abysmal team. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. yeah I know that they're starting quarterback at I mean, Jamar Smith. Louisiana Tech puts up yep. 52. Jack Abraham, yep. I mean, puts up 45. Shane Bouchelle puts up 49 on your head. These aren't anomalies. This this is a trend, and this is how good, this is how bad, for better word, this is how bad the defense was last year. And the quarterbacks just, there was no discomfort. And the four interceptions last year really showed just how comfortable quarterbacks were against them. I'm, I'm interested to ask, so that 2018 defense was obviously really good. How come you Refit couldn't put dudes in the same position last year? 
that comes back to what I think the biggest change from 2018 to 2019 defense was. Well, actually, there were two. The linebackers. I feel like the linebacker, the linebacking core blitzed in 2018 way more effectively than they did in 2019. Mm-hmm. Right? We saw EJ and Brandon just get after quarterbacks, and they were hard to block. They were hard to anticipate. But they were big dudes. Big dudes. They were they were very very good. Katie and Tyreek aren't that caliber of rushers. Right, they're more of like a pass, like passing. Yeah, pass they're coverage, they're, they're faster, and so they're more either pass coverage or you know run filling the holes of in the run game. Um, but it wasn't the same, and that's not what Refit's defense needed. So Refit's defense needed a man on the outside, b the linebackers to do a hell of a lot in the pass rush, and c the safeties to come down and stop the run. All of those three things did not happen last year. The corners couldn't play man, the linebackers couldn't get pass rush, and the safeties really were not that good at coming in and helping the run, especially once they realized we have to help the corners. Right. So all of those reasons, I feel like it was just such a different defense than last year. In terms of In talent. terms of personnel. Yep. Because Refit needed the perfect, perfect, perfect personnel for his defense to work. He needed those NFL linebackers. He needed the NFL corners. You need to experience safeties. And he had the experienced safeties, but they were limited. He had he didn't have experienced corners. I mean, he had experienced corners, quote unquote, but not in his system. And not right. the ones that fit his system. Nick Harvey didn't fit his right. system. He was basically trying to fit a square in a round hole. Yes, exactly. So that's where and I I hope that make made sense what I just said. No, it does. It you just you you're just saying that he didn't have the person he was Refit's very one dimensional in what he could put out there. Exactly. He wasn't able to adapt to the to the new players that exactly. He had. I'm hopeful that Clint Bowen, who's coached Aqib Tlaib and, and Chris Harris. Dudes. Yeah, he's coached dudes. And he's coached defenses that have forced ample turnovers at Kansas, which we already know is a struggling team in the Big 12. He's forced the most turnovers in the Big 12 at Kansas. Like, he's done this. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm expecting his defenses to at least be on the same page and at least be in position to make those plays. Right. You'd hope. Um, but yeah, as far as um, to quickly come back to creating pressure, I'm interested to see how he does it. I'm interested to see how they use the linebackers or use Cam Johnson even or use anybody. Um, that is something I pro- I don't know enough about at this point. So that's something that I'm going to be looking heavily, heavily into going into week one and in the Houston Baptist game. Because if we're, I don't know if there's, here's an interesting question is that before we get into anything else, I don't think there's going to be that sense of, Oh, we don't want to show too much Mm-mm. against Houston Baptist. Well, Cause you know, in years past it's Avalon Christian, you have SMU the next week. You're like, Oh, we don't want to show too much, you know, against Avalon Christian. We just want to do, you know, the basic stuff and then get into the future. Cause if, if you remember, that's what they said last year. They're like, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't do everything basically. We didn't show our full hand. That's that's fine, but you need to be able to do the basic stuff well to where we're not concerned. Because coming exactly. out of the ACU game, ACU put up thirty five points, and we were like, "Are yeah. they going to be ready for this SMU team?" Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that that's that's going to be a good point for Houston Baptist is if Houston Baptist put, puts up thirty five points, then there's an issue. Yes, already. Yes, and you know you need to be able to stop teams like that. Now, let's get into our sleeper picks, Colin. Do you have one off the top of your head that you're you're like, all right, this guy is underrated. This guy is going to break onto the scene. If not, I can go first. You go first. Okay. I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to save him for the second one. All right. First one, Dayton LeBlanc. Backup defensive tackle. That's a good one. Now, if you remember last year, let me make sure. He's pretty solid last year. Yeah, let me make sure I have the numbers right that last year. Dan LeBlanc ended the season with 30 tackles, one sack, and two tackles. Yeah, two and a half tackles for loss. Assuming Dion Noville doesn't play 100 snaps this year, I think Dan LeBlanc has even better numbers than he had last year. I'm I'm excited to see what he does on the on the inside for Dion Noville. Mm-hmm. And I really think he might be the second best defensive lineman on this team right now. Like I Devontae McCray, obviously I expect to be the second best de- defensive lineman on the team, but he LeBlanc 
might be like a starting caliber defensive tackle. Yeah. But, you know, just behind Dion Noville. And for that reason, I mean, I'm really excited about Dane LeBlanc. Like, if he can get on the field, you know, I th- which I think he'll get on the field, 40 snaps, mm-hmm. 30, 35 snaps, mm-hmm. sign me up for that. Because if there's not a huge drop-off from Noville to LeBlanc, I think this defense's consistency can go through the roof. Mm-hmm. Just as far as a front six goes in front of what you want to do. You don't have to change what you're doing just because Dion Noville's not on the field. Right. And that's a big luxury that I think that they're going to have this year if, he, if he's as good as I think he is. So that's my first sleeper pick. Do you have one? My sleeper pick is going to be Jordan Rucker. Okay. I feel like he replaces Quinn Whitlock at some point during the season. Not because Quinn Whitlock does anything bad, but because they're not going to want to take a young talent like Deshaun Gaddy off the field and Jordan Rucker's Jordan Rucker coming from Purdue. Um, I think Quinn Rock will still get snaps, obviously, but I think Jordan Rucker is going to be I don't think he'll play the first few games, but I think he'll, he's going to come in and, and turn some heads. Yeah. That's – I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he looks like when he settles in because I don't know at this point, really. Um, all right, my second pick, I'm going to I'm gonna get a – I'm going to give a uh, bailout. I don't know if bailout is the right word. Cop-out. Cop-out. Cop out. There's, There's the word. There you go. Cop-out bailout, the complete opposite. I'm going to let you know if this is okay. You can use the sleeper pick. It's not just one pick. Oh my goodness. The entire backup linebacking unit. Stop. The pick entire second Stop. unit. Pick a player. Why do you have one of them? No, just pick a player. Oh my god. You can't do that. I really That is a cop out. I really like pick Larry one. Nixon, Gabriel Murphy, Kevin Wood. I like pick all one. three. Which one makes the biggest impact? Larry Nixon. Larry Nixon. Now, Write it down, folks. Uh, like I said, Katie Davis didn't play in the scrimmage. Larry Nixon took his spot. Larry Nixon, from what I've heard and just from what how I have the depth chart, is the backup for Joe Zogu. Mm-hmm. This goes back to me saying Joe Zogu is not you know the quote unquote Jack linebacker anymore. But I think whoever goes down or whoever's if if someone doesn't play, any of those three starters don't play. Larry Nixon will start. Mm-hmm. He is the best non-starting linebacker on this team, and. He'll, he'll obviously get snaps even if people are healthy because they're going to rotate just as like they did last year and, and before that. But Larry Nixon physically looks ready mm-hmm. and obviously has the trust of the defense, I mean, to step in and start for that Katie, in that Katie Davis role if, when Katie Davis didn't play. So um, I'll go Larry Nixon. But really, shout out Gabriel Murphy. Shout out Kevin Wood. Shout out Grayson Murphy. Shout out Chris Thornton. Chris Thornton. Friends of the podcast. <laughs> Who you got? My second pick. I'm gonna go with Katie Davis. Okay. I think he's going to be not just an above average linebacker this coming year. I think he's going we're gonna see him do a lot of things this year that are gonna be like, oh wow, I didn't know he could do that. Instead of just being like mm-hmm. a a guy. You know what yeah. I mean? I feel like that's that's kind of how we, we thought of this linebacking group coming off of EJG and Brandon Gardner. I think he's gonna step into more of a star esque role for this defense and a leader role mm-hmm. as well another friend of the podcast another friend of the podcast another friend of the podcast shout out KD Davis man great guy okay expectation time Colin again we're not going to start off with how many points per game we think they're going to allow this year <laughs> that's such a disappointing thing to. <laughs> it's a lot different when you're saying how many points you're going to put up when you're saying hmm, exactly I think they'll give up 50 points a game exactly. or something like that okay 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 for reference though before we get into it they allowed 32 and a half points per game last year. So that just have that in the back Seems of your like head. More. Have that in the back of your head as we move forward. So how many here's a question for you. How many interceptions do we expect this year? They had four last if year. If they're going to play more aggressive, we know the personnel, we've just gone gone through the it's personnel, the scheme and all that it's stuff. It's tough cuz I don't rem- I don't remember how many they had 2018. 11 I want to say it might have been more than 11 give me 8 okay 8 who leads the team in interceptions Sean Gaddy I like that I like that a lot Colin I like that a lot um 8's a good number but I think 8's a safe number Colin it is a safe number and I don't peg you for a safe person 
Okay, you want me to give a no, no, no. So I, I will make up for your safeness. <laughs> okay, you're gonna go over the top, overestimate. Oh man, this is difficult. It's part of me, part of me, wants to say Clint Bowen comes in, and he saw what they did last year, and he's like, "Wow, this defense was just flat." Mm-hmm. They're not. They weren't fun. Flashy. They weren't. Showtime, North Texas. Showtime. Showtime, Clint Bowen. I really think that just on what I saw, I mean, to have three interceptions in a scrimmage, to be fair, against getting on an offense that's, you know, rebuilding, but to have three interceptions in 90 snaps, let's say, 80 snaps, well, not even less than that because you count, that those were all ones. Those were all the starters, so probably 50 snaps, three interceptions. Mm-hmm. Which again, this gets into our offense, but um, I, I'm really, I'm really excited because I think that they have playmakers and athletes. I'm worried as the safeties can make those plays that they need to make because if the safeties start making plays in the back end, then I think this this prediction doesn't even sound crazy. But you're gonna say like 15 or something like that. I'm gonna say 12, which is four more than you said. Man, that. That kind of disappointed me. Let's go from you say four 15. to twelve. That's, is that is kind of crazy. Crazy. Who leads? <sighs> Man, that's tough. Because I want to say Gaddy, but I'm gonna say Cam Johnson. I've already Cam hyped Johnson. off. Hyped up. How Cam many picks Johnson. do the linebackers get? They get a couple. They'll get like two. <laughs> they get like two. All right. Tyreek Davis. Could, I could see coming down with a couple. We'll see. Um. Yeah. No. No. I'll, I'll say twelve. I'm I'm excited. I I'm high on this secondary. Mm-hmm. At least the cornerbacks. That is safeties. I need to see more of. I'm high on the safe corners. High on the linebackers. High on the defensive line. Now I'm not predicting them to be you know world beaters out here. I'm not expecting them to hold SMU to 12 points. But I think they're going to be better than last year. Better, better than last year. Now whether that results you know in a, a significant change. From last year to this year, as far as like results go, I think we don't know. As long as they look like they know what they're supposed to be doing, as opposed to not knowing what they're supposed to be doing yeah. last year, I think that's success in itself, regardless of how many points they give up. Exactly, because then you're on the right track. Exactly, and and everybody knows what we're talking about too. I don't think we're being too vague in saying that. No, because they looked confused because last year. everyone who watched the game last year was like, "What is happening?" Exactly. Exactly. God, <laughs> I remember all those tweets last year. Uh, fire ref it. Yeah. Fire them, and we're like, uh, we agree, but like they can't do it during the season, or they won't do it during the season. Yeah. We're like, ah, we're with you, but ah. all right. Um, let me see what else I have. What what I have next for expectations here? How much? Will we learn about this defense in the non-conference season? So, how good or bad? This, how, SMU, how much are we going to be able to draw conclusions? I think we'll be able to get a good amount of conclusion. I guess. <laughs> so that was awfully worded. <laughs> I think I think we're going to know what the defense is against Houston. Again, ACU. They gave it thirty-five points. We said. Hopefully it's an outlier. Houston, SMU came along. This defense is bad. And then, you know, there it went. And and that's and we already saw in that that early in the season we saw that they they clearly didn't know in terms of how they were supposed to play out there on the field. And I think that again, like I just said, as long as they look like they know what they're supposed to be doing, regardless of if they're able to execute or not, as long as they are actually put in the position and it's like, "Oh, he just didn't make that play." World of difference. Perfectly fine with that. So you're saying Houston Baptist will know. We'll know a lot. Yes. I, it's going to look completely different. Because against ACU, we were like, did they really just give up that touchdown? You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's exactly what happened. <laughs> they got in a shootout with Evelyn Christian last year. 56 <laughs> That's what happened. You know, Mason went to the sideline after that, and he's like, God. Lord. It's been a long year. <laughs> Like that, the North Texas offense is throwing, running flea flickers with throwing it up to Bussy's catching to over two guys, right. and like then they hit Bussy on RP, like a post, RPOs, with, right? They're doing all this like hurdles stuff. Like, oh, all right, let's just go messing around. Fifty six points, let's go. We got it. And then like Abilene Christian keeps scoring. They're like, 
why is it a three possession game? Right. <laughs> what, what what is happening? I think what a couple of those were like garbage time touchdowns, but still, nonetheless. Okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we have here. Um Quarterbacks completed 61.5% of their passes last year. Over under. Over under 60. That's against, what I'm saying. Against them? Over under 60. And it was what last year? 61.5. That seems so low. That's not that low. Mason was 62 point like something. Hmm. Do you know what? I want to be the optimist. Give me the under. <laughs> Damn. Nah, man. I can't. I can't. I can't do that. I can't, I can't say under. But you know why, Colin? Because I've already said that they're going to turn people over. And if they're going to be aggressive, I, I I worry about, you know, some other aspects. Like, I'm not going to come on this podcast. We've been extremely positive this entire podcast. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this. We've been extremely positive this entire podcast. And I think that just comes from more of us, A, hoping, B, seeing and hearing good things. I think also... We're not being positive about them being world beaters. We're being positive about them not being as bad as last year. Exactly. So very big difference. There's a big difference. Here. There's a big difference. Last I, year we were coming on here saying Nick Harvey is about to be the best corner in conference USA. <laughs> you know, yes. we were we were saying some some high and mighty stuff. This year it's again, if they look like they know what they're doing, we're happy. I'm happy. We're happy. Yeah. Um just giving Yes, we're hoping that there's not that run of five straight touchdowns this year. I, that's what I'm hopeful for. Right, that that the coaching staff is able to make adjustments. They're able to adapt to the personnel they have in the field. If Clint Bowen finds out, oh hey, we can't be this aggressive, that he's able to you know Change. walk it back exactly. Yes. However, Colin, I do think that us having you know a more positive tone is going to be received very well. You know, because people are used to us coming on here uh, and just you know Being yelling, the, and, especially me. You know. Uh, yeah, you are pretty negative. You are pretty negative. So yeah, just people are used to us coming on after last year and just being like, oh, "These guys don't know what they're doing." The, the one AM podcast. Oh, the one AM podcast. <laughs> like, they're lost. Over know, under one this year that we have midnight podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, away games, especially we're not gonna be able to go to. Well, I don't know. I guess I don't know about Houston. I doubt we'll be able to go. But whatever. Uh, it, like that would be the only instance where we get back and we do it, like Houston game. Didn't we do a podcast right after Rice? Yes, I'm saying that's that's that the scenario. Insane. That's the scenario. That is insane. Because SMU will be here, Rice will be here. We're not gonna go to Louisiana Tech, I don't think. I don't know how that will play out, but um, oh no, La Tech was on the road last year. They're here. Um, so all those nearby UTSA could be one we go to potentially, if you know, depending on how their situation is. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll see. I'll I'll take one. I think one is a safe number safe bet for midnight podcast this year but anyways as we're saying um let's get into our closing discussion here con north texas allowed 32 and a half points per game last year mm-hmm. they don't play a&m this year mm-hmm. how many points do you think they allow this year? under but not by a whole lot give me 20 and a half that's four points con that's a lot no 28 and a half compared to 32 and a half. But I don't think it's a lot in the grand scheme of things. It's a lot. It feels like a lot. I'll tell you what. Yes, we know why it feels like a lot. Okay. Um, man, this is tough. For me, I'm going to say 31. I'm That's a cop-out answer. Why is that a cop-out answer? 31. Why is that a cop-out? Might as well just say 32 and a half. Might as well just say even. No, no, no. I'm going to say 31. Look, man, we've been positive this entire podcast. All right? At the end of the day, Over, defense, how many, okay. at the end of the day, this defense will be adequate. Yes. They will be... Hopefully. Hopefully be able to turn people over. They will hopefully be put in the right positions to make plays. But at the end of the day, we are looking at guys who largely are... Unproven. Unproven. Safety position. We don't know. Outside corner position, we don't know. Devontae McCray, even. As much as I love him, we don't know. I, I have no clue. All fair points. All fair points. I mean, do we... I mean, then you look at the linebackers. We're like, we're expecting them to take a step forward. What if they don't? I don't know. 
That's a good point. Good point. There is a lot of questions here. Here's a better benchmark. What was that? <laughs> Here's a better benchmark. Okay, Over, ahead. under, 29.5 points against Houston Baptist. Huh? Uh, under. Under. They're not giving up 30 points to Houston Baptist. There's no way. Zero chance. Okay. Zero chance. Okay. Zero chance. Zero. <laughs> now, Houston Baptist does have, because we're not going to do a preview. Well, I'll do all my pre- previews written. We're not going to do a preview podcast, but uh, they do have, like, the best FCS quarterback in the country in Bailey Zapp. So that'll be fun. I think we'll get actually, like, a decent taste of what to expect as far as the secondary, secondary goes. But no way. Zero chance this defense gives up 30 points to Houston Baptist week one. That much I will say about this defense. For as much as I don't know about this defense, I do know that. So there you go. All right, Colin. That's all we have for today. Those are our expectations. Again, we're just hopeful that they're better than last year. Yes. The big disclaimer. Huge asterisk. Yes. Not world beaters. Hopeful we're not, because we're they're... We're not saying they're 2018. Yes. We're saying that they're, they're, they should be look better than last year. So there you go. All right. Follow us on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore and at CJH Mitchell and at Mean Green 24-7. That's where we tweet all of our stories. You know, all the podcasts are retweeted on there. Um, everything we do is on Mean Green 24-7. Uh, mean Green 247com again, subscribe. 50% off the entire annual subscription uh, for the rest of the month of August. So check that out. Um, we have a lot going up on our boards as well. So interact with us if you are a subscriber. Thank you all to... Thanks to all of the subscribers who have, you know, especially in recent in recent times in the past couple weeks, subscribing, you know, taking advantage of this deal and interacting with us, getting this VIP content. Uh, we thank you very much. Um, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts at Mean Green Twenty Four or at Bruni's Breakdown Podcast uh, on SoundCloud as well. Give us a follow there. Um, give us five stars and five-star rating and review on mm-hmm. Apple podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just so when you click on our link, you just scroll down to the bottom. It should be, if you are on our homes on like our home page, I guess scroll down to the bottom. You'll see the stars. You'll see the ratings, press five stars. And if you want to, then press review and be like, these guys are the greatest podcasters ever. I feel like we're like those YouTubers that are like only 1% of my, my listeners or my watchers or viewers, yeah. wow, that was awful, are actually subscribed to me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, we're putting up over 150 listeners every podcast, so we should have more than 30 ratings out there. Point. Let's go. Let's get it going. Let's get it uh, Let's get up to 35 if we can. Um, share it with your friends. Share it with your grandma. Uh, we're excited for this season to start up. We have a podcast on Saturday, which we haven't plugged at all. Or no, yeah, we'll have a podcast out Saturday uh, with our predictions. So, <laughs> Our full predictions. We'll go through the schedule. We'll go through our expectations, our predictions for the season. It's going to be our final um, preseason podcast, off-season podcast, I guess. And then we're into game week. Houston Baptist, baby. Let's get it going. All right. For Colin Mitchell, for Maya Mitchell, I'm Matthew Bruni. Y'all have a great week. Stay safe.